What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito back with episode 49 of the Gino Spirito podcast. I hope you all are having a great Saturday, July 17th. Uh, currently waiting for the Padres game to start, waiting for game five of the NBA Finals to start, waiting for the UFC fights to start. Great night for some sports. Um, currently packing for my uh, trip that I will be leaving on for Monday. So very exciting times in my life. I hope everybody else is having a great Saturday, enjoying uh, the first day of the weekend, enjoying, like I just mentioned, all the sports that are going to be on today, uh, enjoying just a simply a day off. Uh, hopefully maybe get to see some friends, family, uh, loved ones, whoever it may be. Um, but, you know, just hope everybody who is tuning in, having a great time, having a, uh, you know, Great Saturday. Um, halfway through July already, I, I really, I mean, even June. June went by so fast. So many things that I personally uh, got to do in June. Um, I think that kind of helped, um, you know, the time go by so much more fast, uh, so much faster than uh, it normally does. And I mean, July has just gone by in, in and in a, in just in a snap, man. It's, it's already the 17th. Uh, my summer is officially halfway done. So, that's not too exciting, but then thinking about how it is my last year, um, I don't think it's really processed uh, quite yet. I think it'll eventually uh, settle in once um, we get into this semester. Excuse me, and I know, and I know, once we get into the spring semester, it'll it'll have hit me in full. But uh, you know, just good good uh, good vibes. You know, good times. Uh, just living, just enjoying the moment, just. Uh, just trying to soak it all in and, uh, you know, take each day um, as its own and, and not really try to do too much with it and always just stick on my path. So I hope you guys are all having a great time, a great day. And uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Like I mentioned, today is Game 5 of the NBA Finals, um, a series that has been, uh, you know, very, very fun to watch so far, in my opinion. Um, of course, Game 1, uh, Game 1 and 2. Uh, we're in Phoenix, as Phoenix does have the uh, um, home court in the finals. Game one was able to uh, be won by Phoenix, one eighteen to one hundred five. Um, you know, the Suns able to take game one, able to um, hold Giannis to only twenty points in this one. Still seventeen rebounds in game one. Um, Chris Middleton was the leading scorer on the Butts with twenty nine, but a lot of role players did not show up for the Butts in game one. And uh, Chris Paul's thirty two points. Devin Booker's 27 points, DeAndre Aiden's 22 points were, I mean, that trio was just significantly better than the Butts um, and all of their players. Um, you know, I, I mean, it, it was just a good, it was a good game, a good start to the series by Phoenix. I think, um, you know, they had carried a lot of the momentum they had from winning that Western Conference uh, finals and uh, simply showed why they are the team on top at the end um, and the team that uh, is representing the Western Conference in this game one. Uh, Chris Paul, um, like I said, DeAndre Aiden and Devin Booker, a special trio um, that is going on right now and could be in the making if, if uh, Phoenix does decide to extend Chris Paul. And, um, you know, we'll see about that in the offseason. We'll see. I mean, you know, there's been some reports that Chris Paul, uh, because of the way he's played over the past few years with Oklahoma City, uh, with the Phoenix Suns, um, completely turning around those franchises, um, you know, when 
when each of them were down at the dumps. You know, the Thunder, of course, had arguably the greatest um, the greatest tandem ever uh, of players that were just simply, you know, not even in their prime yet. KD, Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka, James Harden, um, Kendrick Perkins. I mean, great players on those teams. Uh, lost to everybody. Have, have 30,000 draft pits now. Um, but Chris Paul able to come in there last year, um, you know, BP, uh, the BPI chance percentage for the Thunder to make the playoffs last year was like a point two. Uh, they still did. They still represented, made it to a game seven, but did not advance. And then Chris Paul for this year to come to the Suns, come to a team that has had like a point three six five winning percentage over the past five seasons um, and take them to the finals. First time they've been to the playoffs in 10 years, a trip to the finals, CP3's first finals, everybody else on the team except for Jay Crowder's first finals. Uh, definitely uh, pushing uh, for four years, maybe 80 million, 90 million um, as an extension, maybe three years even three years, 80 million, 90 million. I mean, Chris Paul can get some money. He can get some money this offseason. If you if you want me to, you know what I mean? In my personal opinion, I think he, even if he doesn't go with the Suns, there's a team that's going to offer him quite a bad, and I think Chris Paul will get paid. But I think that if he does stay, will we be able to see this trio uh, simply blossom even more and uh, really see what it'll be like um, under Monty Williams for another couple seasons and really see see what this Suns team can do uh, when they've played each other, played with each other for a longer period of time and uh, really been able to establish that chemistry. But I mean, DeAndre Aiden in game one, 20 points, 15 rebounds and 70% from the field. That's the um, second best stat line for a center in their NBA Finals debut, only behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who had 31 points, 17 rebounds, and shot 13 for 16 from the field. So definitely uh, some elite company uh, to be with for DeAndre Aiden, as this was his sixth career, 15-rebound double-double in these playoffs. Of course, this is his first postseason, so already sits. 15 rebound double-doubles in this postseason. Just remarkable numbers. That's tied for fourth most by any player in his first postseason in the NBA history as Wilt Chamberlain had nine, Bill Walton had nine, Bill Russell had eight, and of course DeAndre Aiden. That was his sixth um, of this postseason. So, I mean, just some elite company for the young center. Chris Paul, on the other hand, the first player with 30 points and eight assists in his NBA Finals debut since, I mean... You know, arguably the GOAT, Michael Jordan, 1991. Um, he also scored and assisted, scored or assisted, um, on 54 points in this game one. Uh, of 54 of the 118 in game one, which is the third most points scored or assisted on in the finals by a player uh, who is debuted. His a finals debut by a player. Uh, the only two people that he's trailing, uh, AI. Uh, so with 61 points when he played the Lakers back in 2001. And then Michael Jordan had 60 in 1991 as well. So, I mean, definitely some elite, elite company to be be in with uh, with Chris Paul. Um, I mean, just remarkable numbers. 73 points in the last uh, game of the Western Conference Finals. And in game one of the NBA Finals, that was uh, tied for uh, the most that he's ever had in a two-game span in his career, the regular season, or the playoffs. So, I mean, Chris Paul... 
Definitely brought it game one. Definitely trying to push for that first chip in his first NBA Finals. And that carried on into game two, where the Phoenix Suns were able to take game two, 118 to 108. Uh, able to take a 2 0 series lead, headed to Milwaukee. Um, another game uh, where we saw this uh, tandem uh, have a good, you know, have a good outing. Uh, Marcus Bridges, though, on the other hand, 27. I mean, DeAndre Aiden still did finish with a double-double with 10 points and 11 rebounds. Um, but, I mean, Chris Paul, 23 points, 8 assists. Devin Booker, 31. Uh, Marcus Bridges, 21 points. I mean, 27 points. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, um, Giannis did have 42. Uh, just, I mean, 40, it's just... It, it's just you know, coming so rare. I mean, not, not coming so rare. Coming so often with Giannis in these post in this postseason that it's just like, oh yeah, he had forty two again. Oh yeah, he had thirty plus, um, and in a losing effort as well. Forty two points, twelve rebounds. Uh, Chris Middleton uh, with probably one of his worst uh, games this postseason in Game Two, only eleven points, six rebounds, uh, shot five for sixteen from the fields. Uh, Drew Holiday also finished in double figures with seventeen. Um, Patrick Connington on the bench finished with 14, but not the best outing by the Butts. Uh, headed to Milwaukee, kind of, um, you know, just, you know, with their bats against the wall completely, you know. The, the Suns uh, came out red hot these first two games, um, completely uh, dominated the pace of the game, uh, made, made it, uh, what's it called, made the Butts play their tempo, their game, uh, they were just running all their sets to perfection. The ball movement from the Phoenix Suns is something to watch. Uh, I mean, it, they're just really, really well coached, and they were able to execute uh, just what they wanted to, anything they wanted to in games one and two. It, it, they were making it look easy, you know, on on a team that is 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 just easily bigger than them. Um, easily, uh, you know, launder could make shots harder to make these pick and rolls harder. Uh, but I mean, games one and two Phoenix was still running the same shit that they've been running all year. And they were running it to perfection against this butts team. That is, uh, that, that just was looking uh, a little lost in games one and two. Um, but I mean, Deandre Aiden, uh, officially has the most double doubles in their first, first postseason, passing Bill Walton. Um, Devin Booker as well making noise. Uh, the only play he joins a group of four players who are under the age of 25 with a 30.5 rebound, five assist game in a, in the finals uh, in the last 25 years. As Kobe Bryant, of course, Russell Westbrook. Dwayne Wade, and now Devin Booker, the only players to ever have 30 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists under the age of 25 in the NBA Finals game. So, I mean, just some remarkable stuff from this Phoenix Suns team, like I said, in games 1 and 2. And, of course, on the other side of the ball, the most points in an NBA Finals quarter in the last 25 seasons, Giannis had 20 in game two, in in the third quarter, uh, that's better than Kobe Bryant's 19 in 2010 and LeBron's 19 in 2014. So Giannis has the most points in a quarter in NBA Finals history. Uh, joined LeBron James, Charles Barkley, and Shaq as the only players to have 40 points and 10 rebounds in an NBA Finals loss. So, I mean, Giannis is putting up the numbers, putting up the time, you know, putting up the numbers. 
trying everything he possibly can to, uh, you know, make sure his team can come out with the dub, uh, but simply was not enough in games one and two, like I said. Um, and, I mean, he is with the lead company. Uh, he is, you know, in that same category as these Tobys, these Shats, Charles Barkley, you know, all these names that you want to be around when you are a basketball player, when you're growing up, you're seeing these guys go in night out uh, every night, just completely dominating the game. And, you know, those are the, those are the people you want to be, uh, you want to have your name nets to. And that's exactly what Giannis has been doing. But unfortunately the ball did not roll their ways in game one and two, but uh, luckily for them, Milwaukee has proven to be really good at home in this postseason as going into game three. Uh, they did have the best home record so far in the postseason um, at seven and one. And they do have an average point differential of 13.4 points per game when playing at home. So going into game three, not really. Of course, there is a reason there is a sense of urgency. Uh, you do not want to go down three nothing, especially in the NBA finals, um, especially when you're playing on home court. Um, but you know, a little bit, uh, you know, of a breather, I'd say for Milwaukee fans going into game three, seeing that, knowing that their team plays better at home, knowing that they need to rally the boys. And that's exactly what they did as they completely blew out the Phoenix Suns in game three, 120 to 100. This game was not as close as the 20 point differential. It could have easily been 30 as Giannis again, did it with ease, 41 points, six assists, 13 rebounds. So a lot of people, like I said, on the butt side, uh, definitely contributing to this uh, blowout victory. On the other side of the ball, Phoenix did have five people with double figures, but nobody had above 20 points as Jay Crowder had 18, DeAndre Aiden had 18, Chris Paul had 19, Devin Booker with his worst playoff performance in game three with only 10 points, uh, Cam Johnson off the bench with 14, but nobody able to really... Uh, give that, uh, you know, that spark, give that, uh, you know, Nets level um, addition to the team uh, to allow them to kind of push forward. But uh, that's exactly why uh, the outcome of the game happened. Um, and the, the Butts were able to uh, finally uh, get a victory, push the series to two to one, still down a game, but at least they got one in them. Um, Giannis joins Michael Jordan, uh, LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Um, as uh, the only players to have 30 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists through five, 3 quarters uh, in the last 25 NBA Finals. Uh, he also joins LeBron James and Shaq um, as the only uh, 3 players to have bat-to-bat 40-point, 10-rebound ga uh, games in the NBA Finals. Um, you know, just, just ridiculous numbers, and I feel like, you know, Giannis... Uh, you, you can be criticized for his free throws. He can be criticized for not getting it done when it matters. But, uh, you know, in these finals, this man has been playing absolutely lights out, um, absolutely crashing the boards, playing physical, using his body and his strength against this Suns team who is, you know, don't get me wrong. The Suns are amazing. They are well coached. Like I've said, they play hard. They play together. Um, but the butts are simply bigger than them. That's just a fact. And Giannis, I believe in games two, game three, and leading into game four was finally starting to figure out that he needs to play physical. He needs to play inside. He needs to crash the rebound. There's no, there's no excuse as to why Giannis does not finish 
a game in the NBA Finals without at least 10 rebounds. Um, and I believe that's exactly why in games two and game three, he, you're able to see these numbers that he's putting up. You're able to see the company that he's joining. You're able to see how remarkable and how special of a player and a talent that this man is. Um, and that's exactly why the Butts were able to take game three and able to get some momentum going into game four. Um, on the other, I mean, you know, on the other side of the ball, however, Devin Booker, with one of his worst uh, post, I mean, our, of course, this is his first, uh, you know, this is his first postseason, but uh, Devin Booker in this one definitely, uh, you know, just had his, just had a bad game. 10 points, uh, you know, six, six rebounds, two assists, shot one for seven from three. Uh, and like I said, the the Phoenix Suns not being able to have a score with 20 points, I mean, that's that's just not going to go good. And um, the Butts were really able to take advantage of this, really able to build momentum going into this crucial game for, uh, you know, will the will the Butts be able to take the 2-2 um, series back to Phoenix or will they have to fight and really, um, you know, dig as they're down 3-1 headed back to Phoenix who can close it out on their home four in game five. But the Butts able to get it done in game four, win 109-103, to push the series to 2-2, allow themselves to take a deep breath. Of course, the job is not done, but, you know, able to secure home court, able to, um, you know, put fight back in the series, tie it up 2-2. Um, Giannis in this one, 26 points, 14 rebounds. Chris Middleton had 40. I mean, he's able to recover from, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, iffy outings in game two and game three, able to drop 40, 15 for 33, able to, you know, be the Chris Middleton that we all know he can be. Um, and I mean, just completely dominate the game, uh, from start to finish. On the other side of the ball, uh, Chris Paul finished with 10 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, 0 for 2 from the 3-point line, 5 for 13 from the field, 5 turnovers, just an uncharacteristic game from Chris Paul in this one, and uh, you very, very rarely see Chris Paul play as bad as he did in Game 4, and when you do, you have to take advantage of that, and that's exactly what the Butts did, as they, they scraped, they crawled, um, I mean, this game was looking all Phoenix. I mean, 23-20, to 20, uh, tied at halftime. The Phoenix were able to go um, into uh, the fourth quarter up 82-76. to 76, So up by six points, uh, but the Butts able to dominate that fourth quarter, uh, you know, Beat the beat the Phoenix Suns in that fourth quarter, 33 to 21, able to win 109 to 103. Able, like I said, able to tie the series back up. Um, I mean, but uh, it does not take away from what Devin Booker did in this game. I mean, 42 points, uh, two assists, 17 for 28 from the field. I mean. Just some remarkable stuff. He did shoot over three from field. I was surprised he only shot three threes in this one, but still, forty-two points. Um, and why is why what what made it even more special uh, was this? Um, you know, this uh, forty-two point performance um, pushed him to uh, now have the most points scored by a player in the in their first postseason in NBA history. So, uh, congratulations to Devin Booker um, as he now uh, passed Rick Barry who had 521 points in 15 games in 1967, and Julius Irving, who had 518 points in 19 games in 1977. So Devin Booker headed into Game 5, 
Now, 532 points into his NBA postseason career, 20 games in as well, um, and now the leading scorer um, of all time in NBA history in their first postseason. Um, but, I mean, he's going to need some help from his starters. I mean, game four, Devin Booker, 42 points. The rest of the Sun starters, 38. So, you know, of course, Phoenix needs to have a sense of urgency going into game five, especially after, you know, being up 2-0, going to Milwaukee, getting blown out the way they did in game three, kind of giving the game away in the fourth quarter uh, in game four. Um, and, I mean, I feel like that's that's exactly where they lost the game. Of course, in the fourth quarter, but on, on top of that, just how, how bad their starters played besides Devin Booker unacceptable man 42 points from Devin Booker and the rest of the starters gave 38 it, it, it you're just not gonna win a lot of games when it's it's that case of course we've seen time and time again where a player is able to will his team to a victory but it's very very rare where that um, victory turns into a series victory you know that you maybe get a couple of games here and there but a series victory with uh, one player completely willing the team. Of course, the Suns are not like that. You know, there's this is a very good team. This is a team that plays together, a team that, you know, is able to move the ball, spread the ball. Anybody can go off on any given night. Uh, that much, That's what makes this team great. And unfortunately, uh, this was just an off game. Like I said, you very rarely see Chris Paul play as shitty as he did. Um, but unfortunately, that's just how it was. And he played bad. And, you know, it, you got to go back home. Uh, instead of being up 3-1, you're now and now the series tied 2-2. Two two. You know, it's not it's not the worst case, you know what I mean, by any means. You know, it really isn't. You were able to protect your home court. Uh, you weren't able to get any on their home court, but now you got to protect your home court again in this Game 5 uh, and be able to go up 3-2 headed back to Milwaukee. But uh, Game 5, like I said, tonight, ABC, 6 p.m. Eastern – I mean, not 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Um, this, this game – uh, definitely, uh, like I said, shifts back to Phoenix will be a pivotal game five. I mean, who wants to, you know, if you're going up 3-2 um, in the past 29 instances, 72% uh, of the time when you go up 3-2, you're the winner of the series. So definitely uh, a key game tonight. Um, like I said, 6 p.m. Pacific time on ABC. Uh, if you are not watching this game, you better be watching the Padres or you better be watching the fights because, like I said, there are plenty of sporting events on tonight, but this Game 5 will be very crucial, and I believe it will be a very, very good matchup uh, between two teams that have proven uh, throughout this series that even when their bats are against the wall, they, they can fight, uh, especially the butts. And then, um, you know, even when uh, times get down for the Suns, um, you know, they're, they're still right there. They're still pushing. They're still fighting. So, uh, definitely going to be a good game five, and I'm very excited to see the outcome. But um, on to some coaching news for the NBA. Uh, just some different, uh, you know, transactions throughout the league that have happened that I found uh, to be, you know, pretty interesting. Could play a pivotal point uh, in into uh, next year. Of course, uh, let's start with the Lakers. They uh, finalized a deal to hire Dave uh, David Fisdale as their new assistant coach. Um, of course, former Knits and Grizzlies head coach. Uh, he had been pursued um, for several different positions in the offseason, uh, but he decided to join Frank Vogel's staff with the Lakers as the lead assistant. 
Um, of course, Fisdale was the longtime Miami Heat assistant under Eric uh, Spolstra, and that's when the Miami Heat did win multiple titles. So uh, being able to reunite with Braun, uh, being able to um, you know help this Lakers team out who just lost their lead assistant and Jason Kidd to the Dallas Mavericks. So I, I believe this is a this is a great signing by the Lakers. Like I said. Um, Former Grizzlies and Knicks head coach, where he did have a record of 71 and 134, but I mean, you know, he was just given shitty teams and he did the best he could with it. I believe Dave Fisdale is a great coach. Dave Fisdale, um, like I said, he he's set to fill that void um, of Jason Kidd. Um, definitely a big void to fill. I mean, the uh, head assistant, um, somebody that has been there, done that, and Jason Kidd uh, knows Braun, played with Braun on the Olympic team. Uh, you know, literally just got out of the lead very, very recently and uh, I'm sure was a very big voice in that locker room and would be a very big voice to lose. So I believe this is the right signing. Uh, like I said, he had an offer from Indiana, uh, which is now Rick Carson, uh, which who's now the head coach of uh, Rick Carson. So uh, for him to turn that down, not join Rick. Uh, I'd come home to the Lakers. Uh, I believe the Lakers title chances have increased because of that. Um, just because of uh, the relationship with LeBron James and him. I mean, I, I just feel like once you win a championship with a coach or anybody, yeah, that, that relationship, that bond, especially when it comes to playing basketball, is, is grown. And it's, it's a lot deeper than just, you know, some regular teammate or some regular coach. I mean, you won a championship. You know, you, you're the best of the best that year. So um, I believe that this will definitely help the Lakers out. Um, and, you know, hopefully increase their chances of winning the title. But uh, another former head coach who is now going to be an assistant, a lead assistant, is Stott Brooks as he uh, finalized a deal with the uh, Trailblazers to become Chauncey Billups' lead assistant, uh, former Washington Wizards and Oklahoma City head coach. Uh, like I said, now joining this Trailblazers team who uh, is now is now has a new coach for the first time in eight years in Chauncey Billups, who I believe is a great hire. Um, a great player, like I said, has a lot of insight. Um, I, I'm sure Damian Lillard, uh, CJ, uh, and and the the rest of the cats will definitely like Chauncey Billups and the energies and it brings to the um, to to the team. And I mean, Scott Brooks has been able to work with some of the best players of all time. Uh, this in this generation, you know, Russell Westbrook, KD, James Harden, uh, Bradley Beal. Um, just, just to name a few. And I, I believe that, you know, a lot of that could be transferred. If Dame is able to stay, if, if Dame stays, then I'm sure this will help him out. But if he leaves, of course, it'll suck. But um, I believe this is a great, great move by this Blazers team. You know, they're trying to find some ways to, uh, you know, take that next step. You know, they've always been a playoff team. They've always been that team that's going to be uh, gritty, that team that's going to push you. Um, but they never have tried able to get over the hump especially in the Damian Lillard era. They've been to a Western Conference Finals. Um, they've, Like I said, they've always competed. There's no doubt about that. They've always been a great team, but they're, they're trying to take that next step. They're trying to, uh, you know, take that next step uh, into a, to, to possibly play for an NBA Finals, to possibly play again for a Western Conference Finals, you know? They, they don't want to be, and especially playing in a, as a top four seed, you know, not playing in the back of the pack, five through eight, uh, possibly now with the play-in tournament looking to stay. Don't want to fall into the play-in tournament as well. So I believe that Scott Brooks is definitely the right fit for this Portland Trailblazers team. Um, and I believe that if, uh, you know, if Dame stays, it'll be uh, definitely a good um, fit. Uh, but regardless, 
uh, Stroud Brooks is just, he's a great coach. He's going to be a good fit anywhere. And if Dame stays, it's going to benefit the Blazers that much more because they're simply a better team with Damian Lillard unless they somehow get, you know, a trade going and they get something bad for Dame. But we'll see. Um, but those are some coaching moves. Uh, like I said, very interesting to see what will happen, um, you know, with – you know, this uh, NBA Finals and the rest of the coaching moves that'll be around the league. Um, and I mean, don't even get me started on NBA free agency and the the mess and the clutter that it already is. So um, I'm sure that, uh, you know, it'll it'll just be, um, you know, a lot to look forward to. But I, I believe that we should focus on the NBA Finals. We should focus on really enjoying this series uh, because I, I believe that this, this series has a really good chance of going to seven. And um, I, I really, I don't know who's going to win game seven, if that's the case. So tune in to game five tonight. Uh, I believe you will not be disappointed. And, um, you know, that's all I got for the NBA news. Um, onto some Padres news yesterday, first game back from the all-star break. Um, and I mean, what a fucking remarkable game this was as the Padres were able to win. I, I'm, I promise I'm telling you this, right? 20. Four to eight, 24 to eight, three runs in the first, seven runs in the second, one runs, one run in the third, fourth, and fifth, six runs in the sixth inning. The seventh inning was the only inning that the Padres did not score a run. Four more runs in the eighth and a Mateo solo home run in the ninth. Padres able to win 24 to eight over the Washington Nationals in game one of the series, able to knock 22 hits in this one. Just some remarkable stuff from this Padres team who really needed it. You know, coming off off the All-Star break, losing a home series to the worst road team in the Colorado Rockies, able to regroup, able to have a nice little break, and able to come into Washington, completely route the Washington Nationals, a team that came to San Diego, was able to take two of two, uh, I mean, two of four, able to, uh, you know, leave San Diego, um, you know, split 2-2. But the Padres able to take the fifth game of this uh, season series, able to, like I said, just completely dominate this game. 22 hits, 24 runs, so many contributions, so many crazy um, storylines. I mean, 24 runs, that's a... Uh, that's a franchise record Pre going into this game. The franchise record was 20. So able to break the franchise record in runs. Jake Cronenworth hits for the cycle. The third Padre to ever hit for the cycle. Of course, the other two players uh, were Matt Kemp, who did it in 2015, and Will Myers, who did it in 2017, as both of those players did it at Coors Field. So, you know, a hitter's field, of course. But, I mean, Jake Cronenworth able to hit for the cycle, um, able to have a two-run double, able to have a... I mean, a, I mean, a two-run RBI double, able to have an RBI triple, um, able to hit a solo home run, and then able to hit an infield single uh, because of a shift on the right side. So just some great stuff from Jake Cronenworth as he proves yet again why he is elite, why he is deserved not only from an all-star, uh, but, you know, still needs his respect as a second baseman, as one of the best second basemen in the league. Um, Will Myers in this one as well. Seven RBIs for Will. Um, he's able to hit a grand slam in the second inning, um, 
which now gives uh, the Padres Slam Diego 13 Grand Slams since the start of last season. Uh, the only other MB- MLB team in double figures uh, is the Atlanta Braves, who are at 10. So, I mean, Slam Diego um, and the storyline that that is continues because of Will Myers, and he's also able to hit a uh, three-run home run uh, to the right side. So just some remarkable stuff. Padres had a player hit for the cycle and a player hit for the Grand Slam. Uh, and this is the, the first time that they've had both of those things happen in a game uh, since exactly 11 years ago to date yesterday, July 16th, 2010, when Benji Molina um, did that for uh, the Rangers. So, I mean, that's the last time a team had done that. Uh, It's crazy that it was the exact same date, but um, Padres able to, I mean, just just do some remarkable things yesterday with the bat. Um, Jake Cronenworth, like I said, uh, with the cycle, um, with his cycle being the first game back from the All-Star game, he's now the third player to ever do that in their first game back from an All-Star game. Um, And I mean, Joe DiMaggio and Brooks Robinson seems to be some nice people to be in company with. So just some remarkable things from the Padres yesterday. I mean, 24 to 8. And Tommy Pham with five runs in this one. He was also a triple shy of the cycle. So, I mean, of course it gets tough when you're already winning by so much. And if you do get that extra base hit do you take that extra do you take that extra base do you do you really show you know what i mean it, it you know how baseball is with their stupid unwritten rules uh but tommy fam still able to have a five run day a four hit day a home run two singles and a double um i mean since the rbi came official became official in 1920 there has been no other team that has accomplished all of these different feats in the same season much less in the same fucking game i mean this game was absolutely insane it started off crazy started off with the padres going up three nothing in the first tommy fam with a double steal catcher throwing it's a second tommy fam stealing home able to get a run on the board uh just for juan soto in the bottom of the first to tie it back up three to three um but i mean a seven run second inning sits run eighth inning i mean it was just it just kept coming in this one and the Padres were just making it look easy um and and honestly just a lot of fun so great start uh this is exactly what the Padres needed and I really hope that they can uh you know continue this momentum forward continue pushing regardless of the score regardless of the opponent you know it 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 does not matter keep your fucking foot on their neck because you never know in this league and you always can carry that momentum to the next day hitting the ball well can go so far treat every plate appearance. That's what was so impressive about this game. Every single plate appearance was a battle. You know, the Padres pitchers, I mean, not Padres pitchers, the Padres hitters were not chasing. You know, if they got down 0-2, 1-2, they were fighting, they were scrapping, they were trying to push the count in their favor, and that's exactly what they continued to do the entire game. And I believe this is the first real game where you truly saw how dominant this offense can be. You know, there have been so many games this year where, you know, up and down the lineup, you got five, six, maybe even seven guys really giving it to you. But um, tonight, man, I mean, well, last night technically, was able to, you know, they were really able to show you what it's like when 
everybody is at their peak performance. Eric Hosmer and Will Myers, two players that have been struggling, two players that have probably been criticized the most by me and by other, you know, loyal Padres fans all over Twitter, all over social media, able to get it done tonight, able to really show what they what they can do and what they can contribute uh, when they're playing at their best. I mean, Eric Hosmer, two runs, three hits, three RBIs. Like I said, Will Myers with three runs, three hits, seven RBIs. Um, you know, like I said, this is the first time the Padres team has truly, truly, truly shown what they are capable of when they're playing to the highest potential, to their highest selves. And it, it was just so much fun to watch tonight. Another game, 4.05 p.m. Pacific time against the Nationals again. Game two of the series. Uh, hopefully the Padres uh, can take this game, um, you know, be able to take the series, move into Sunday, looking for a sweep, an early sweep even, 10.05 a.m. Uh, first pitch tomorrow in the morning. So definitely be an early game. It'll be nice if the Padres have already won the series and are looking for the sweep. Um, as they then after Sunday, like I said, have to head to Atlanta and face a tough Braves team. So hopefully the Padres can get it done today. But a lot of fun yesterday, a lot of good moments, a lot of uh, proving that, you know, what they have left in the tank, what they uh, are capable of when, like I said, everybody is executing on all cylinders um, unfortunately, the Giants and the Dodgers both win, so the Padres still sit two games. Uh, I mean, not two games. They, they still sit four games behind the Dodgers for second place and six games behind the Giants for first place. Uh, but a win is a win, and especially when a win is 24 fucking runs with 22 hits, and you win by six, You win by 16. You know what I mean? 16 runs. Just ridiculous. Four grand slams, really. It's just insane. But uh, without further ado, that's all I got for today. I hope you guys all tune into the NBA Finals. I hope you guys all tune into the Padres, and I hope you guys all tune in for the fights tonight. It's gonna be a great night for sports, um, and it's always been fun. It's always fun when I do these. So I hope you guys all enjoyed this latest installment of the Geno Spirito podcast. Uh, if you do, make sure to subscribe. I have more content on the way Monday through Thursdays and Saturdays. This these uh, podcasts will be posted. Um, you know, that's all I got. I hope you guys all have a great rest of your Saturday, and I will see you all very, very soon. Have a great rest of your weekends, and I'll catch you guys on Monday. Thank you so much for tuning in.